to another little episode of Half Hour with Astro Theater Company. Y'all, I am here today with a really awesome person, an amazing artist, an actress, and she happens to be from a little place called Kansas City, which is where our paths first crossed. Uh, she is currently working on a show. You may have heard of it. It's a Hulu show called Love, Victor, and currently filming the second season just an all-around cool cat, y'all. It is BB Wood. What's up, BB? Hello. Oh, nothing much. Just here in LA. It rained yesterday, actually, like so hard. And it was also like 40 degrees. And so I felt like I was back in the Midwest. Oh, well, I'm happy for you. You guys needed that. Has it been like crazy dry? And I don't know. In LA, I just imagine everything's just like brittle, sort of like. <laughs> well, you would imagine correctly. Uh, my my cacti out on our deck got like such a lovely bath, a much needed bath. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. Do you have a lot of, are you a plant person? I am a huge plant person. Me too. Um, I'm a proud mother of succulents. Uh, my mom has a huge garden. Um, they have like acres. So so oh. anytime I'm back home, I'm always like put to work, which is... <laughs> You're weeding the garden. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's oh, awesome. It's the worst, just the worst backwards work. It is, but it feels so good at the end of it when you can like stand at the end of edge of the garden and be like, I did that shit. Like, this wow, look, there's no more little, little, little plant that shouldn't yeah. be there. <laughs> I know. Um, Phoebe, what's up? How, what have you been up to? Well, we are just filming the second season of Love, Victor, which has been, you know, very very interesting during um covid times uh-huh i can imagine and, you know it's 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 a learning process i know i was saying this to you earlier but um you know I, i've been doing this for like 10 years so i've sort of developed my own routine I know what's going to happen on an average day. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's very much a part of my, not, not even mental space, but just like my physical space. Like my body can just be prepared for, you know, most things um, on like the average work day. But having a, a, just a completely different perspective of, um, of how Working things during a global up. pandemic. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's sort of shocking. Um, and it's it's taken some getting used to. But, you know, we've been at it since like the end of October. Um, wow. And so, you know, so I, I think I'm used to it. But it, it's sort of funny having to <laughs> in between takes um, go sit in like a little cellophane bubble um or like you know uh we still you know we wear our masks and we all wear face shields so when we're not on camera we just put our masks on put our face shields on um it's it's pretty hilarious because we all have our own little like 
face mask cubby. So it, it feels <laughs> like preschool, like, like someone will come roll up this like Ikea shelf uh-huh. with little cubby holders. And then we all put our masks in our named cubby holder. Oh, like right so next to the, your paste and your clay. Yeah, exactly. The glues <laughs> of it all, you know? Um, and um, so, you know, it, those things are like disinfected, like every five minutes. And we're always like being brought hand sanitizer and things. And and the act, I mean, we're like tested every day. And um, that's kind of nice. I mean, so at yeah. least, you know, you know, what you're, you know, dealing with, I suppose. It's, you feel it's like very comforting when you have to, you know, like go make out with someone, know that they don't have COVID. <laughs> yeah, know? I can, I think the rest of the world would like that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you feel like the like culture of like being on set is any different in terms of just like, being I don't know just like chatting with people or like being friendly like did any of that sort of take a hit during these new like sort of sanitary procedures oh yeah I think entirely um I mean one of my favorite things about the job before COVID hit was spending time with people and getting to know um, a group of people. Every time you work on something new, you know, you're really uh, just building a new how to, <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're building a family. And it sounds like so, you know, whatever. But I, I know you relate. And I'm sure people who are listening to this will relate as well, because they they like, you know, theater and the arts. But um, building that family is like, a challenge it's it's so much fun and and um it's one of my favorite parts um but it's it's really difficult I think to sort of like have the same sort of like familial vibe yeah. when like you we can't really touch can't someone. see each other we can't <laughs> yeah. touch one another um you know like eating lunch um all together in someone's trailer or outside isn't really a thing and and maintaining social distance and yeah. and all of that and it, it, it's certainly good because a lot of the time we do get to chat or I get to chat with with the actors you know if we're like all sat in one space um <laughs> yeah. but it's certainly helpful that we all know each other already and it's certainly helpful that like a lot of our crew has come back from last year and I think that's what's really made this process um easier than it could have been it is knowing that our crew um sort you of know already, it's like that built-in sort of relationship yeah. already, you know where you like you know because you weren't you know you can't it, it might be kind of hard to develop something new if you aren't weren't in season two and you didn't have this sort of foundation to work with yeah exactly like we have um uh there's uh, a wonderful person on set. His name's Danny. He wires us and he holds the boom. He's in sound and, and sound and wardrobe work really closely with one another because if the wire shows wardrobe's going to be pissed, you know, and (laughs) if the wire doesn't sound good because of the wardrobe sounds going to be pissed. So like wardrobe and sound work very closely together. And luckily like my favorite people um, or some of them at least in our crew are in those departments and they came back this year. And that's pretty intimate, even like not in a global pandemic, but like, um, you know, we have Freddie and AJ in wardrobe and Danny and sound. And because that relationship was already established and I, I trust them so much, it's like easier to like take off the mask 
or right. like the, the face shield, um, you know, in front of them and get work all of that stuff out because we have that relationship and, um, and that trust established. That's so, fantastic. I mean, yeah, it, it, it affects it, but luckily since we already know each other, it's, it's been, um, lovely. It would be an entirely different thing though. If we started a new project during this time, I think it would be so another beast for sure yeah bb when did you get into the arts when did you find your way or like sort of get inspired or you know figure out that this was like something that was kind of for you yeah so i was young i was maybe like three years old um my parents uh took me to london um, for a holiday and they took me to shows on the West end. And one of them was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Mm. Um, I was sat in the front row with my parents, which they were not expecting. I think they just like got the tickets that were available and it turned out to be front row tickets. And they were like a little nervous cause it was like my first show yeah. and they didn't know how I was going to react or if I was going to like freak out. And that would be like pretty disruptive if we were in the front and we had to like <laughs> walk out of the theater mid performance, you know? Sure. So they were like very reluctant about it. Um, but in the middle of the show, the child catcher like leaned off the stage placed his sickle on my nose mid-performance and said, I'll get you kitty witty. And my parents were like, huh? Oh no. <laughs> like what's going to happen? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like burst into tears. But um, I apparently just started laughing and I loved it. And after the show, I was like, Oh my God, I need to meet him. Could you also imagine a three-year-old going, Oh my God, I need to meet him. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, that's probably exactly what happened. And um, we went to the stage door. I chatted with him and I asked, mm. What do you do? And he was like, I'm an actor. And uh, and from that moment on, I was like, right, I gotta take acting classes. So we went back to Kansas City and my parents put me in acting classes when I like turned four and um and that's kind of that the rest and is history the rest is history I went um on a holiday to New York City when I was like eight years old and I took um an acting class there and there was an agent present at the acting class and and she just called my parents. Um, she reached out and asked for. And said, "This kid's got it. Whatever it is, nothing like that." Got the stuff. <laughs> um, Do you but... feel like seeing the show, like, and having that experience with that actor in London, like, helped you to see like the functional like way an actor works? Like, because up until you like saw him without his makeup and without you know whatever, did it help like cement the idea of like, oh, this person like this is their job is to play pretend. Maybe, I mean, if only I could remember, like, I feel <laughs> like if only I could remember all my three-year-old, like- Yeah, come on, know, that wasn't that weird. long ago, BB. How old you are you? Know, not long ago at all. <laughs> I think like, um, I think when I was living in New York, so after my, well, first of all, it was a whole thing because my, my parents didn't want me to act really. They were like, that's, I don't want to sell out our child. Like that sounds pretty <laughs> traumatic. Yeah, and, sure. Um, not really interested in like well, that sort of thing. Well, there's a great record for a lot of child stars. Yeah. There's not a great record for that. You know yeah. what I mean? In so, terms of like mental health, there are a lot of sure. very public examples of that not 
happening. But I have to say, as someone who interacted with you when you were quite young, you always struck me as just a, like a very adult child. Oh, well, <laughs> like you're just you. very like attentive and like considerate and like concise. I was like, this oh. child, like what is going on with this? You know what I mean? And I can't imagine like having to be responsible to like learn whole entire scenes that young you know well yeah I, it's a testament to my parents really um and and they 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 told um the agent like no this is not happening and then i put it on my christmas list i said dear santa i just want that agent basically <laughs> which is by the way the most manipulative <laughs> thing ever perhaps um but I think <laughs> at that time it probably came from a very genuine place but um, my parents were like, and um, and then I just woke up. Santa got me an agent. You know what I mean? Oh, um, that's fantastic. And so, so you know, I, I I ended up signing with that lovely woman, and and um, and then we just basically lived in New York. Um, and I started auditioning. And what I also started doing was going to Seth Rudetsky's radio show every Thursday. And mm. I could see a whole bunch of, you know, Broadway stars who I loved very much. And I sort of became obsessed with Andrew Rannells. Um, I loved the- I mean, how could you not be? He's, he's right? incredible. He's of course. an incredibly gifted actor. And he has the audacity to be able to sing like that. And he has the audacity to look like that. I mean, it's yeah. really rude. If the audacity, that. of course. Yeah. Um, and so I met him a couple times. I was like a full on fangirl, probably. Mm -hmm. um, I went to all of the, the things that Seth would do with him. And, and I think he's probably what really made me realize that like this is something you could do and, mm. and, and do professionally and that he's just a person. And what's even funnier about that is I did uh, my first two television spots um, when I was living in New York still, when I was like nine or 10, which were 30 Rock and Veep. Um, oh and then after God. that, yes. yeah, pretty lucky to have had those two as my first. Um, I mean, iconic, like fem female comedy driven. Like yeah vehicles incredible incredible and i also used to play as a nine-year-old girl i used to play um draw something with tina fey which was like the funniest thing i don't know if you remember that app. i don't i'll have to check it out it was basically like uh pictionary but mm -hmm. um we would play that on set and it was like so fun um but uh, I did those two shows and then I got cast in my first series, which was to be shot in Los Angeles and which was to star Andrew Reynolds. So I walked wow. into our table read at the Chateau Marmont. I will literally never forget this. And Ryan Murphy opens the door and my dad is with me because I'm a child. I'm a true I'm child. child. <laughs> I'm literally a child. I'm like 10 years old. I'm about to turn 11. And uh, Ryan Murphy opens the door. He's wearing an orange shirt and he's wearing a cap. And so is my father. And, and he compliments my dad's cap. And then my dad just like drops me off and he leaves because my dad offered to stay, but I always was like, no, this is my job. I should, you know. Again, a very adult child. You're like, thank you, Papa. I was, like ready to like, you know, parents, I got this, which, right. you know, ridiculous, but I walk in 
the 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 hotel room at the Chateau Marmont is like empty. There's a grand piano and then there's like some chairs. And and everyone's there, like the entire cast. And I spot Andrew Rannells. I was so excited. And I go up to him and he's like, oh my God, it's you. Because I was low-key stalking him all around NYC. <laughs> <laughs> Would this have been in the days of like when Book of Mormon just happened? Yes. yes. Okay. Got it. Tony performance. Were you listening young. to that filthy soundtrack when you were like nine years old? Yes, I was. And <laughs> I did like my parents made me skip certain songs, but for the most part, I was listening. I don't think I was listening. I could listen to Hasadiga, but um that is so funny. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it really you had like a full circle moment. Full circle moment. And that's happened a lot, which it, it's like a, a nice reminder and I'm so lucky for it but it's a nice reminder that I'm like oh man like at moments of doubt where I'm like man maybe I should just like become a producer or something because like actors have no control Mm. um I get or experience these like little full circle moments where I'm like maybe yeah no I think I think I'm in the right place like I think I'm I think I'm doing the right thing I feel like that's a kind of a common thing, especially amongst like the younger generation of actors as this industry is like changing so rapidly. Yeah. This feeling of like, I have no control over this. I know they're actively seeking, you know, a hundred other people for this role. And it feels like there's so little opportunity and so many, frankly, talented, incredible, you know, artists competing for the same role. So what do you mean like you would just come a producer? Also, I will say you could do both. You could do it all. And I do want to. Like right. I I um before the pandemic happened, <laughs> also just the funniest sentence to me, even still. I don't know. And it's also not funny at all. But like right. if I weren't laughing, like I would be just sobbing, just openly weeping. Yeah, it's called um, coping. <laughs> yeah, coping, you know. Um, I know her, sort of. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, I I was pitching um, a show before COVID happened and and I had like a lovely producer who I'd worked with actually on a project and and he's like so generous and so kind and and has taught me so much and he's sort of a mentor, um, quite honestly. And he was willing to produce the show that I, um, you know, had sort of, come up with and we were pitching it um to different networks and stuff and it was like so much fun and such an incredible learning experience and yeah and um and I really I mean I like talking you know sometimes I like talking sometimes I'm like quiet and other times I'm just like ready to talk and and if you I guess get me in a room and ask me to talk about something that I'm passionate about like you know it's pretty easy it's pretty easy and right and and there's an art to pitching for sure, but I, I certainly should probably study that more instead of just like <laughs> rambling on. Yeah. But I, I really like um, pitching and I really like going into these places. And, and even though like <laughs> there's such a slim chance that they're going to be like, yeah, we'll take it. Um, it's just nice to talk to people who are in the same, you know, sort of a little circle and, and, and who are creative um, and, and, and tell them about these things that you've just been thinking of in your head. Yeah. Um, And and to have someone who is good, whose actual job is to like flush those things out and force you to think about like logistically how that would happen or like structurally what it looks like. 
Like those yeah. people are some of my favorite people in the world. And I think they are so talented being able to like materialize things from like a dream or inception state and being able to like materialize that is just, those folks are really gifted and I would like to learn from them as well. Cause I just think it's yeah. such a good skill to be able to do that in a way that like is open and collaborative and not a way that's like, that sucks. You have to do it this way or you know what I mean? For sure. I mean, one of my favorite experiences, and I'm so lucky to have had this experience, was pitching a show to Hello Sunshine, which is Reese Witherspoon's um, company, her production company. And um, yeah, to just go in there and see all of these amazing women just like listen to what I had to say and then give me feedback was like so valuable. Um, yeah. And, and that's something I certainly want to, you know, continue. Like there's so many things that I, I want to work on. And, 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 and right now, just because of like COVID, I've sort of put that particular project that I was pitching on, on the back burner. And I, I want to take advantage of this time and sort of start fleshing out something new, you know, create a pitch packet for something else, because that yeah. one's already established. Mm -hmm. You know, I prefer to do pitching when we're not all on zoom. Um, and instead, yeah. you know, just like, work on on developing something new so so i've been reading and um and sort of researching um for this other idea that i i have and i'm super excited about that involves history which is like um un probably my second love or i don't know why i'm numbering my loves but <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great love of mine <laughs> yeah like what kind of history um all of it <laughs> just world history I, I i mean like the the one thing that has been getting me through this time um and i'm sure this will be probably a little bit of an indication um to what i am working on but um the one thing that has really been getting me through this time is listening to like old standards uh from like the second world war mm. um and great time for music a great time for music um, you know, like through the thirties, through the forties, music was really being utilized as a tool, like to, to cope and, and to sort of escape and escape. But also I don't, I don't actually think any of the music of that era is escapist at all. And that's why I really appreciate it. And, and when it comes to what I want to see in art today sort of has to do with this, but, um, the writers, at that time were able to address the issue head on without making it so utterly depressing. Mm. Um, and I really love that. Like, can you, you give know, me an example? Oh yeah. 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 So, so, okay. My favorite song, um, maybe of all time or one of them at least, uh -huh. um, is a song, uh, called when the lights go on again. Um, it's sung by Vaughn Monroe. I don't know who it's written by, um, but it's so, so sad, but also so hopeful. Um, and, and it, it's just so poignant right now. And it's literally the song that's always on my, on my repeat. Um, just because when I, um, first understood what was happening in regards to the pandemic. I was overseas. I was, I was in um, Ireland and I was by myself. And so I was like, what is happening? I'm literally by myself in a foreign country and there's 
an outbreak and I'm so confused and a little scared. Right. Um, and so I was stuck there for a little bit. I got back home. It was fine. But I was listening to when the lights go on again, because the lyrics, you know, when the lights go on again, all over the world um, and, and the boys are home again, all over the world, there'll be time for things like wedding rings and, and, and free hearts will, will sing when the lights go on again, all over the world. And, and, you know, that is directing the issue head on, mm. but just sh- sh- shedding light onto it. Um, and that makes me feel so much better than being an escapist. I don't know why. I'm like a reverse escapist. Like I've probably watched more war films and like more depressing content this year than I have at any other point. Because for sure. some reason, like seeing something that is directing the issue head on, but then has sort of like a hopeful, you know, sort of air to it makes me feel so much better than just like pretending it doesn't exist. Pretending it doesn't exist. Totally. And I think that comes from, I would agree with that. And for me, I think that comes from, I'm a very like, I like to know how things work. So if mm-hmm. I understand this issue and I understand also like how that issue was born or how it was baked, what the ingredients were that made that cake, then I can, I can figure out the best way to understand it, to teach it to other people, to Mm -hmm. approach solutions to it. You know what I mean? 100%. So when it comes to history, the kind of history that I enjoy is really any history, because as long as I'm making sense of the, the past, I can make more sense of my present. Totally, um, totally agree. And so there's like a great documentary called The Soul of America. Um, it's on HBO Max. It's like a John Meacham thing. Mm-hmm. And he basically just takes historical events. And it came out like a month ago. He, he takes historical events and he just draws parallels um, from the last four years to these historical events, right? So he he mm. talks about the Great Depression. He talks about the war, and I mean, I mean that that's really what was getting me through 2020 was thinking about the 1930s and the 1940s, how people were living then, and how I don't feel alone at all because people have done it before. So why can't we do it now? Yeah, and also like the tools that we have to cope now in terms of media, and also just like being able to call or FaceTime instead, you know, that there's an option at all that for communication is huge, you know, and I think it's easy to take that for granted, but compared to the thirties or forties, like, I think we just are are much better off in terms of the way that we can approach and communicate with one another. 100%. And like, I mean, we have everything at our fingertips and like our generation always has, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, I remember flip phones. I remember landlines. Like I, I remember all of these things, but as like a truly cognizant human being, I've had everything I could ever possibly want at my fingertips because of the internet, mm-hmm. any fact, you know, any song, any whatever. Um, and that was not the case. Um, even just like, you know, 20 years ago or 30 years ago. So right. It frustrates me when I hear people of our generation complaining about a two week isolation period mm-hmm. because I'm like, dude, you can call your best friend. Like you can, you can see your best friend's face. Like yeah, people were writing letters like when they were away <laughs> from one another. And like, you know, I mean, the, the second world war lasted 
five, you know, four years in, in America. Um, so it's like you were going years without speaking to your loved one. Like you can go two weeks without seeing someone in person because the fact of the matter is like you and I are seeing each other right now and we haven't yeah. seen each other in a long time. And here we are making it happen. And here we are making it happen. You know, we're all sponsored by Zoom. Sponsored by Zoom. <laughs> sponsored by Zoom. <laughs> um, but, you know, I don't know, like, like, this is sort of interesting and I would love to hear your opinion on it, but like, where is our COVID propaganda, right? Like, I want some propaganda out here. Like, <laughs> I, I want people to be like, wear your mask. Like, let's make mm. some like short films that are just like propaganda shorts. You know what I mean? That's About like, so funny. Being inside. Like, that's something that was great at like the turn of the century through the, mm -hmm. you know, 40s. Like, all of these films were just like propaganda to like get people to back up the war effort, right? So whether you're a pacifist or not, that's some good marketing. Like I'm just saying, so, so, so where is our like COVID propaganda? Where like, is COVID's is, marketing team? Where is she? Where's, she has a great publicist, but where's the marketing team? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think I need to log into my IMDb Pro and check out who COVID's agent is because we need to get in touch with them for sure. Oh my yeah. God, that's amazing. Um, so yeah. what is something, I can't believe it's almost already been 30 minutes, Phoebe. I could talk to you for hours and hours. Um, what's something or aspects um, from this pandemic that you hope are shifted once we, in the arts industry, in the entertainment industry, in the theater world? Is there anything that once we go back, you hope is different or things that we keep in mind? Well, I just hope that people who had no interest in the arts before recognize the fact that the one thing that has kept them uh, sane through the pandemic is art and media. You know, watching a show on Netflix isn't just watching a show on Netflix. It's watching a, a crew, uh, a group of actors, you know, create something. And there's so much value in that. I, I hope that people, again, I mean, I guess maybe this is just the, the big takeaway, but like, you know, we take so much so much of our lives for granted. I think art is a big part of that. And so hopefully people moving forward can just like sit down with themselves for a second and just see the bigger picture and how art really does manifest itself in, in, in all of our lives. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know. I, I, and, and, and maybe there's a way that, We need arts marketing team, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> arts marketing team as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I no. agree. I, I hope that I'm like sort of to, to piggyback off of that. I hope that people don't take it for granted and want to get involved on a even like community level. What does art look like in your community? How can you support art in your community? Because that goes all the way up the ladder, you know, there, the, you can't have one without the other. Mm -hmm. um, and I hope that we start to nurture our own artistic communities as well as the, the big hubs as well, you know? Yeah. And I think like within the communities, um, you know, th th there's so many issues with films that are older, films from, you know, golden age Hollywood. But I, I think there is something really beautiful um, about the fact that someone like Frank Capra said, 
you know, the world is falling apart. I can see what I want the world to look like past this point, right? And I'm going to show everyone. Mm. Um, I'm going to show people uh, the problems with America and the successes. Um, And I'm going to tell people what is right and what is wrong. Um, And I would, I, I think within the community, recognizing that like, Art is capable of that. I think I think it's easy to forget that sometimes and just be like, oh, well, you know, we're just artists. Of like ins- inspiring people and inspiring change. And- inspiring people and, and, and making things that, you know, not just inspire change, but actually change things. I think that's so possible. I agree. And I think that with so many younger folks entering the industry with you know, miles ahead at their age, socially, and, you know, in terms of what they can do with their craft at such a young age, like, I really do think we're headed for a just beautiful renaissance that is socially conscious, that's colorful, that is creative, that's innovative. And I hope that we take like all of these, this creativity that we were forced to have from this conflict of the pandemic, not only as artists, but as people, right? Like, I really do think chaos and big problems force creativity. They force us to figure out other ways to do things and to see things in a new light. And I hope that we can stay in that like mindset that keep that lens on of being creative and kind and inclusive after we've dealt with the pandemic so that we can like really funnel all of this new, you know, this new art and um, these new feelings into fruition and have like, you know, a social renaissance. I feel it coming. I I think it, I mean, you know, history repeats itself. If you look at the first world war, which was an awful dark time, um, you know, what came after was the roaring twenties and, and, and the greatest generation, the, the, the greatest generation and, um, silent film, um, you know, um, even though that was already happening, it sort of really, uh, took shape in the twenties. People were like, you know, let's make some movies. <laughs> I think that's going to be the theme after this is done too. Let's make some movies. Let's make some movies. <laughs> Especially, yeah. we're looking at you, COVID's marketing team. <laughs> marketing team, let's go. <laughs> All right, BB. Well, thank you so much for taking some time to chat. This was so lovely to catch up with you and see what you were doing. And you're such a such an optimistic and bright person. So. Like- Thanks for taking some time to chat with us. Thank you for having me. This was so lovely. It was so lovely. Um, We'll do it again sometime, okay? Perfect. All righty. We'll see you later, BB. Thanks again.